Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, we've got Mark Chandreau. Mark, you are the CEO of Asana Recovery in Costa Mesa, California. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate the opportunity. And so to kind of get started, what is Asana Recovery? What do you do? Great. Um, We're a family-owned business here in Orange County. Mm -hmm. And what we do is just basically provide people with a problem I mean, you know, provide people with a problem with alcohol and drug addiction and help them solve mm-hmm. that. So, you know, as you know, the heroin epidemic is going crazy in the United yeah. States. So, you know, 45,000 to 70,000 people are affected every year. And what we do is essentially it's a residential alcohol and drug treatment program. Wow. And what that means is clients come to us from all around the United States and they stay between 30 and 90 days. Yeah. And we first do what's called a medical detox Mm-hmm. where they work with a, a medical team and our doctor and our nurses to detox off their drug of choice, whether it's alcohol, whether it might be the opiates with heroin, methamphetamines, uh, prescription drugs, you know, any of those. And they'll go on what's called a taper and we'll taper them down so that they detox safely. The oh, biggest yeah. challenge is, you know, if you're detoxing, for example, from, with alcohol and benzodiazepines, you can have a you know, you can have a stroke and die. So once we do that, you know, they get a clear head, you know, and hopefully they're going into treatment with a clear head. And what that means is they're meeting with a a therapist regularly. They're meeting with a case manager regularly to kind of organize their lives. And then they're going to daily group sessions where they're Mm -hmm. meeting with a therapist and other people in the program to kind of help work out the problems and also learn how to live their life without drugs and alcohol, and and even more, understand the underlying problems of why they have that addiction. Wow. So uh, I would imagine, Mark, that, um, that the, the, the treatment industry has probably, just because of some of the addiction issues that, we, that we've seen over the past 5, 10 years, I would imagine that the treatment, hopefully, the treatment industry has kind of grown and scaled along with that to help solve the problem. Yes and no. Ironically, you know, it has grown rapidly. I know you're in South South Florida or Florida. Yeah, mid, I'm in Orlando. South Orlando South. area. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Southern Florida and Southern California or Florida in, in, in general have seen a huge increase over the last 10 years yeah. in private residential treatment programs. Mm. The challenge that we're seeing now is those number of those beds is actually contracting and, con- and going down mm. because the insurance payers, which primarily represent yeah. 80 to 90% of the people paying the bill, are mm. cutting back on what they want to spend on addiction treatment. Just a few years ago, five years ago, there was this thing called the Parity Act, which basically told, demanded that the insurance companies treat mental health the same way they treat physical health. For example, let's say you have cancer, you go in, you have your chemotherapy, but then you're going to continue to have follow-up therapy. 
with addiction, they were treating it like, you know, first of all, before the Parity Act, they weren't authorizing it at all. So what happened was the Parity Act came in, the insurance companies now had to pay for this service. It blew up, went into the billions of dollars in a year in billing, new billing for them. And now they've clamped back down on it. So it's, you know, unfortunately it's kind of gone the wrong direction. And there's still quite a lack of the number of beds for the people that are suffering from this yeah. disease. So who, what does that ultimately mean? Does that mean that, you know, if you, if you have an insurance provider that says, sorry, you know, I know all these treatment facilities charge this, but <laughs> that's not in your plan. So I know you're addicted and all, but <laughs> is that kind of their approach? It's kind of like yeah. throw their hands up and go, sorry, Basically. you know, you're going to have to find a telehealth to, or something like exactly. that. Or pay cash or find a nonprofit program. That's, you know, the challenge with a lot of those is of course, you know, they're, they have limited funds. So you're going to get limited treatment. Wow. Yeah. So what uh, I would imagine then, what does it take to run a treatment facility? You know, you know, this is my third business industry that I've been in. You know, this is certainly, uh, you know, from being in the nonprofit world earlier in my 20s and then real estate in my 30s and now in my 40s doing treatment. It takes a tremendous amount of patience and it also takes a lot of being able to handle high risk situations with, with, while being calm. You know, example, you know, clients are, especially with this disease, can be incredibly erratic you know, they, you know, they get involved with the police. Sometimes they get involved with fights, they get involved with altercations or, or, you know, even worse, they, they smuggle drugs into the facility and possibly might overdose, you know, so it requires a, you know, for an owner and also for my employees, they really need to be calm. (laughs) It, It requires calmness and the ability to make smart decisions while, you know, you know, um, while looking out for the best interest of the client. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's a constant struggle between those two things. And prior to Asana, and, and I should point out, um, for those listening, you can see, uh, Asana recovery is on the web at Asana recovery.com. That's A S A N A. Uh, A-S-A-N-A recovery.com. We'll talk a little bit more about what makes Asana unique. Uh, But how did you, how did you migrate into starting or how creating Asana? Yeah. Good question. Um, You know, it started way back when I actually, I was in college, you know, one of my Mm -hmm. good college friends and in my business school at the time, you know, we connected, we would hang out a lot and, you know, he, had, you know, he was, he was my, you know, pot dealer, even in college, you know, mm-hmm. and then he, um, he stepped it up, you know, first he started dealing marijuana, then he started dealing cocaine, then he started dealing heroin, and got hooked, and then ended up having, you know, a long journey of addiction, including five years in prison. And, you know, I stayed in contact with him, because I, you know, we had a good friendship, and he was, he was a very smart businessman. And then eventually, you know, re- he flew out to California about 11 years ago, entered a treatment program here and then saw that I was doing really well in real estate and reached out and goes, Hey Mark, I have this great idea. You know, your, your real estate skills, my <laughs> treatment history skills, and another partner who also was in treatment. We started and um, built the company pretty quickly you know, because what I mentioned earlier, the money was flowing. You know, the parity act had just been passed. Insurance companies were spending a tremendous amount of money. So we were able to scale the business rather rapidly 
up to about 500 beds and 1,650 employees. And in oh 2000, my gosh. Yeah. In 2015, we actually did 100 million in revenue. Um, and then the insurance companies pulled to put the brakes on. Yeah. Full speed, cut us off. You know, our expenses were at 2 million a year. And then eventually driving the company into bankruptcy, which was, you know, a long couple of years. And now out of that bankruptcy, you know, for whatever, you know, just miraculously, we were able to go, the owners were able to go back into the bankruptcy court, bid on the company, and we actually bought it back out of bankruptcy. And mm-hmm. my old partner took his um, piece of the company and started his business. And I took a piece of the company and started Asana Recovery with my, my partner and my brother. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. What is that like uh, when you, I mean, and listen, uh, you know, that can happen in, you know, no in business is immune from uh, environmental factors or all of a sudden there's this rapid shift in consumer opinion uh, that can happen. So we suffered with that with Savings Angel. We were doing great six-figure a month revenue, and then people decided that they weren't really interested in using coupons anymore. <laughs> so it was kind of a slow, steady death. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, we had enough, you know, exit Runway. time to kind yeah. of figure some things out, uh, but that can happen. Yes. And so uh, knowing what you know now, how does that affect how you operate business? You know, great question. You know, I learned, you know, it was a great experience, you know, although very, very challenging you know, um, fortunately, what set me up to to manage it a lot better is I had done a similar thing in real estate when the market crashed. I lost a lot of apartments, my houses, I had to rebuild up. And then I did this again the second time. Um, but this time, I think I'm learning. Uh, and really, the things that I am doing differently are, you know, making sure that every single month we reserve and take out cash and put it aside for the slow months. You know, having enough cash on hand, the goal is six months of operating income in the bank. That is a big thing. You know, we expanded the other business too fast. We grew too fast. We didn't build up enough reserves. And when, you know, excuse my language, when the shit hit the fan, yeah. we had to reach out to a bank. The bank provided financing, but they also wrapped everything up in a big fat promissory note, which then dragged everything down. So, the other thing is, you know, making sure that you have the credit when you when you don't need it. Yeah, right? so smart. people say so that all smart. the time, but it's so true. Yeah, you cannot yeah. get credit when you need it. I cannot uh, stress that enough. And you know, one thing. So I've spoken to Tony Robbins for this Tony Robbins organization. I've uh, you know been to Business Mastery, and that's one of the biggest like headlines when you go to Business Mastery is you build your business for winter because winter, yes. is <laughs> winter is coming. It's not if, it is when. And when Absolutely. that happens- Every market changes. Yeah. No matter what, right? It's hard. Yeah. And if you don't adapt and change and have the reserves to weather when you're finally figuring it out. <laughs> and for us, when we had 1,600 employees, that is like a battleship, wow. right? And then you get into all these crazy laws that prevent you from laying off employees because of the number of size. Oh. And then it just drags you down, you know, and it's hard to um, shed quick enough. And, you know, that's, that's no fun, first of all. But secondly, right. if you can't, you know, it's, it's, it's like catching a falling knife, right? Mm. It's just, it's very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh. So, um, so talk to me about the, I guess, the success or the outcome that Asana creates today um, with, with 
patients, clients, Mm -hmm. people are coming to stay for a while? Yeah, no, good question. You know, based on a lot of what I learned with uh, the other company, Saw Landings Behavioral Health, I, with Asana Recovery, the main thing is we're keeping it small, you know, keeping it manageable. And the benefit to our clients is, number one, you know, the intimacy and the size of it allows us to give much more individualized care. And how that impacts them is it gives them a little bit more sense of comfort and Mm -hmm. empathy. And the biggest thing that clients suffering from addiction need is empathy. They can't have people judging them because they've done a lot of bad things in the past, right? And the goal is to get them to the, to the future, to get them to be a productive member of society, and we can't judge them. So what we do as an example is, you know, we have welcome calls before clients coming in, and we find out exactly what their, what their needs are, from their basic dietary needs to their mental health needs to maybe they want a special, you know, something that they do that would make them more comfortable in our program. For example... You know, we had a marathon runner come in and we set up a treadmill so he could continue to run 10 miles a day, wow. which is like what he needed to do. And we were, and then he was able to do that and then go to groups and meet with his counselors and therapists. And so really making that little special touch that has a big impact on somebody will change your life. Yeah. So our, our, just to answer your question, I know it's a little long, but right. the goal is to get them back into society and Basically, if everyone if they listened exactly what we tell them and how we teach them, they're going to be successful. There's no doubt. Um, you know, and it, of course, there's no judgment in this, but uh, I wonder how. I mean, it, you know, again, this you may not have scientific data, maybe just kind of, you know, your subjective view of this. But I wonder now with uh, recreational marijuana kind of lighting up. Uh, <laughs> That was unintentional, uh, you know, but, but uh, you know, becoming legal throughout the United States now, I wonder how that impacts other, um, you know, opiate use and, and addiction and that sort of thing. Any, any kind of yeah, observations? Good question. That's a good question. I mean, from our small window, yeah. although I am a proponent of legalization of marijuana sure. and other drugs, I think it confuses a lot of the clients mm-hmm. and and some of them may think that they can handle smoking marijuana when they shouldn't be doing any drugs and they should be 100% clear-headed. So it does create some issues. I also think it does, there is evidence that it, it kind of accelerates schizophrenia, especially mm-hmm. in um, – it's called marijuana-induced schizophrenia, and it, especially in people in their 20s. So that's and the and the marijuana now is so strong. Oh, I know, <laughs> so strong. Exactly, yeah. you know. So I, I, I shouldn't say I know from experience. <laughs> I uh, not neither confirming right. nor denying. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I we we serve a lot of uh, clients in in the space, and uh, yeah, they're like Josh. It is nothing like when you went to high school. Exactly, and so if people are excessively abusing it, it can have major impact. So we're starting to see more marijuana users coming to the program and try and get off it. Yeah. However, the insurance companies don't reimburse for that. They won't pay for that. Mm. They don't consider that an addiction. Yeah. Do you think that, I mean, do you see that this is just a trend that's going to continue with the insurance industry or do you see them lightening up at all and, and being more supportive of it? I wonder how much of this is going to come from legislature, legislators right. in DC, as opposed to 
the health industry just deciding that they're going to be good guys. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I mean, health, you know, the insurance providers are publicly traded companies. Yeah. They have to report bottom lines. I mean, they squeeze the heck out of us at the end of the year. So I, I, this is going to be a continuing trend unless the government steps in and mm. forces them to change because some of the, there's two issues. One is providers are not really adhering to legislation and essentially doing what they want to deny claims. And the second is they're just, you know, squeezing out the reimbursement. So smaller companies like ourselves and even bigger companies, I mean, the largest publicly traded addiction program is American Addiction Centers. They're like 1,200 beds out of Tennessee and they were delisted off the NASDAQ because they're, they're, um, their company value dropped too low. Wow. Um, so Mark, um, you, you compared to other treatment facilities do a couple things I think that are fairly unique. And, mm-hmm. and one specifically I'll just mention is that thank you so much for including me on the, uh, uh, on, on the gift box. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, tell me a little bit about some of the extras that, that you provide that you think are really helpful for the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's a great question. The main thing really is the treatment that we provide. Regardless of whether you pro- provide, you know, a private chef, um, ocean view, swimming pool, sauna, all of those extra amenities, which we don't provide, are a distraction to the real issue. And the real issue is making sure the clients feel safe, comfortable, and work with the therapist, whether one-on-one and in groups, and really work on themselves and make that commitment to change. The best thing we can do is create an environment where that will happen. And that comes with an empathetic staff, but also a staff and a team from the therapist to the support staff that have strong boundaries. I mean, you have to, you know, almost treat people in, in, like toddlers. You can't go out this time. The TV goes off at this. You lose your phone at this hour and be very strict. And they need to create those boundaries, which will then help them create the positive habits. And we all know habits are what drive your life to, um, you know, survive and thrive in a life of recovery. And then also working, I mean, a lot of people are doing this because they have underlying issues. And that could take longer than us. That could take longer than a stay at our facility to deal with. Mm-hmm. And and what do you do? I, I'm curious what a residential treatment facility, are you residential treatment yep. facility? I, residential. I know that term because that's what my wife and I did uh, during college is we worked at residential treatment facilities, uh, mainly uh, well, exclusively with youth. Uh, so, oh, okay, uh, yeah. High-risk youth and, and at-risk youth and that sort of thing. Uh, but um, I, I guess, uh, boy, I forgot what I was going to, what was I asking? <laughs> Something oh, I about... Oh, what were you going to ask? I've never, I've never had this happen in, in 200 and 300 interviews. Lost your train of thought? <laughs> yeah, I forget my train of thought. I started telling stories about how that's what my wife. My Your wife, youth, my, yeah. Yeah, my wife and I did. Uh, but, well, we were um, talking previously about what we do you know, differently with the clients and the outcomes and things like that. Yeah. I'm not sure what you're going to say. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. So <laughs> we'll, we'll keep we'll keep that uh, that question for the heavens, I suppose. Um, so, um, Mark, in terms of um, oh yeah, I know what I was going to ask. What does a residential treatment facility do to market their services? How mm. what, is it just networking? You know, that's a good question. You know, like any business, that's I feel is one of the most challenging parts is getting out there and doing marketing. 
So that's primarily what I do. Mm-hmm. I do quite a bit of that. I spend most of my time doing that where my, my partner and my brother does the operations and manages the staff. I'm out there. You're right. I'm out there networking. I'm out there meeting with other facilities. I'm putting them in. You know, the people that I meet, as you know, they go into you know marketing program that I have where I send – you know, I'm, you know, again, I'm back, you know, just to back up a little bit, you know, I'm from the real estate world and Gary Keller had a tremendous impact on me when I was going through that. I was at Keller Williams agent for a while. And then I went through other courses and what he taught me about marketing, especially one-to-one is simple. There's two programs he uses. One's called the eight by eight and one's called the 33 touch. So when you first meet a per- person, the objective is and in real estate is to get to know them so they can A, refer you business, or B, they themselves could be a client. And that, develop, that, that is about relationships. So when you meet somebody, we put them in what we call an eight by eight program. So it's, let's say, it's, for example, it's a lawyer that's dealing with probation issues and sometimes they send clients to care, you know, to avoid jail, basically. Yeah. And a lot of people come here to avoid jail. Not a lot, but some. So what we do is we put them on an eight by eight. So we would touch them eight times in eight weeks, telephone, email, postcard, text, telephone, blah, 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 right? Eight weeks. And that's all automated through the system. The other thing, which you experience is then we put them in what we call our 33 touch program and we touch them in 33 times a calendar year. And that's, you know, for us, we kind of, you know, borrowed the birch box idea yep. and branded our own box that we send with emails and texts. So we essentially hit them three times with that system every month. Yeah. And that basically works out to about 33, 36 times a year. So that's how I do the business networking side of our business. Yeah. Um, and, and then I'd say for the next couple of years, what are the plans to continue to either grow and scale or uh, increase your impact with Asana? Mm-hmm. Um, continuing to do what I just said on the business development side, continuing to add beds. So we're doing that, adding houses to our program so that we mm. can increase the number of clients we take. Yeah. Spending a tremendous amount of energy and resources on our website. You know, as that, you know, we have over 3000 articles on the website. Wow. It's going through a little change right now, but it'll be, you know, fully uh, operational in a couple of days. Um, that's huge. That's huge for us, you know, driving backlinks, you know, that's uh, just you know. what a commitment to content <laughs> marketing. A lot, that's a incredible. lot. Yeah, yeah. T- t- we are, I was doing for some time, I was doing 10 a day for a while. Wow. And then, um, and then, you know, we contact our alumni. That's very important for our program, you know, keeping in touch with the people that, that have graduated. We, we offer a travel scholarship if they want to come back and speak at, at our program after a year of sobriety. So we do that every month. Right. You know, and then they refer us clients. And then, you know, unfortunately, this disease is, is a challenge and it takes some people more than once to get sober. And so we get a lot of recidivism yeah. as well. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Mark Shandro, I want to thank you so much for spending your time. Uh, you know, congratulations. I, you know, uh, having that experience of, you know, being a part of something that's just so huge <laughs> so big. and then being able to, you know, rebuild that in a way uh, that, that you have and, and to create the level of success that you have uh, is, is really remarkable. And congratulations again on so much content. You know, you think <laughs> about what a gift that was, what an investment that was at the beginning. Yes. And now that Google's got that all indexed, I mean, that is a gift that's going to keep on giving for life. And so- Huge, hugely, yeah, hugely yeah, important. That, 
Yeah, really. Congratulations on, you. on, you know, taking that step. And, and it's, you know, it feels risky. Like, wow, are we really going to do 10 pieces of content a day? Is this going to pay off? And, uh, you know, as, as you've seen evidence, it's, mm-hmm. it's very helpful. Because and and also what, what I'm, you know, are doing today is they're doing a lot of research. You got to oh, tons of research in your life. Yep. You're going to yep. reach out and you're going to find information online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how wonderful that is uh, that you've got Asana that's there to assist you in that yep. pro bono. You know, it's a great way to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, people are searching constantly. The other thing I'm doing with the help of your firm is, you know, talking with reporters, you know, yeah. working with reporters, working with and becoming an industry professional. Yeah. You know, I think the benefit of that is, I mean, just from a, greedy point of view to so to speak is the backlinks are great they help the website they give you credibility the other thing is you can get there and spread the message we can talk about addiction we can provide hopefully some useful content like you mentioned we can help people and just get the word out there and you know i enjoy doing that i think that's a big part of any especially if you're a ceo i think you have to take a responsibility to educate the public on why what you're doing is important I love it. I love it. Make the world a better place. And that's, that's what you're doing right. with Asana Recovery. Uh, Mark Chandro, you're the CEO. Asana Recovery is on the web at asanarecovery.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement.